Hello and welcome to episode four of series four of the Engaging Internal Comms podcast. This is the show for employee engagers and internal communicators who like to keep up to date with all that is new in our profession. My name's Craig Smith from The Big Picture People. First of all, I'd just like to say thank you to everyone who came back to us on our request on the last episode for potential guests. We've had a few people who have come forward and um, offered us their their knowledge and wisdom to share with the our listeners. So if you're interested in being a guest on the show, please let me know. Please get in touch via our contact form at engagingic.com. Or failing that, you can drop me an email at info at thebigpicturepeople.co.uk. Tell us a little bit about what your topic might be, what you're interested in, what you'd like to talk about. And we can arrange a call with you, a preliminary call, where we can just discuss that. And uh, that will be in advance of arranging a date for an interview. The interview process normally takes about an hour. We do it all online. So very easy to do, very easy to take part. And um, yeah, give it a go. Let us know what you'd like to talk about. And as I said, we'll have a chat with you just to make sure uh, you're right for the show and also that uh, you feel comfortable with the the process that we'll go through. Um, just a quick heads up on what's coming up on the next couple of episodes uh, on the next episode, which is going out on the 28th of fe- February. I've got an interview with Shelby Scarborough. Shelby is from a company called Practical Protocol, LLC. Shelby has a huge amount of experience in internal communications, communications in general. General PR. She worked with the uh, Ronald Reagan's team with the Gorbachev summit in the 1980s. Has a huge amount of experience in in uh, a lot of fields. Very 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 uh, extensive experience. And Shelby's going to be talking all about the importance of civility and politeness, which uh, is a very interesting topic. And we had a great conversation. I think you'll find that a really interesting interview. And the week, uh, uh, the fortnight after that, sorry, on the 14th of March, we have an interview with Mark Carpenter. Mark's going to be telling us all about how we can use stories to teach, lead and inspire in our internal communications. Storytelling is really popular. We've covered it before in the show, but it's one of those topics that I think you can't cover too many times. It's it's something that we're all trying to do with our internal comms is to create an interesting narrative for our employees that is engaging and stimulating. So that's what Mark's going to be telling us all about in the episode on the 14th of March. Uh, If you're interested in any of our free webinars, we're running webinars every month at the moment. They alternate between our uh, program our our program alternates between our health and safety webinar which is all about how we can make our health and safety communications more interesting and more engaging and we're also running uh, on alternate months our webinar which is all about how we can help our leaders to share the big picture with our employees so they can see how everything our strategies or our actions all of our kpis fit together so if you go onto our website thebigpicturepeople.co.uk go to our events tab you'll see uh, both of those events listed and you can choose a date that works for you so i'm not going to say any more we're going to move straight into this episode's interview In and amongst the interviews that we have with practitioners who are working internal comms, I like to bring new ideas and different framings of different ideas which are important to our work as internal communicators and employee engagers. So what I wanted to do was to look at the concept of trust. Now, during the beginning of the pandemic, 
One of the things I noticed in a lot of organizations who were either struggling or doing well with were hybrid and, and remote working was the level of trust that they had with their teams, whether they were able to let their teams get on with it and do their work or whether they were trying to micromanage them. And and trust is always something I think that we need to be aware of as an internal communicators, whether we are working in an organization that has a lot of trust where people do trust each other or whether we're working in an organization that is inherently distrustful and the impact that that can have on how a way our messages land and how receptive people are to them can be significant as we're probably all aware so in this episode we're going to look at trust we're going to dig into it in a lot more detail and understand what it is because it's very easy i think for us to have a working definition of trust um or all have our all have our own working definitions of trust which aren't always the same so we're going to look at trust and we're going to explore that actually trust is not just an emotion it's actually a neurological state and it's actually a fundamental requirement that we all have as human beings to feel part of something to feel part of a group and to feel wanted and included within that group. So we're going to look at trust from that perspective and we're going to look at it ultimately as the most important thing that we we have in our organization in terms of making sure that we're getting the best out of our individuals and teams within it. We're also going to look at something that I think is particularly relevant to internal communications, which is are our communications geared towards uh, individuals and talking about themselves or about their own team, or are they inclusive in terms of looking at the the collective uh, efforts of all of us? And our interviewee refers to this as I versus we type conversations um, and communications. And I think that's for me was a real uh, moment of of, uh, of of realization. So I think you'll find that is is something that um, resonates hopefully with you, and I hope, should hopefully resonate with the type of work that you're doing. So this is what we're going to be looking at in this episode: the importance of trust, not only in internal comms. It's it's more 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 um, more applicable to you know a much broader area. It it has a lot of, uh, uh, of of applicability outside of just internal comms, but specifically also in in terms of its relevance to internal communications as. As well. So hope you find this a useful conversation. My guest today is Amy Wong. Amy is the founder of Always On Purpose. Amy is an executive leadership coach, author, and facilitator working with organizations such as Salesforce, Roku, LinkedIn, and many more. Amy's debut book, Living On Purpose, shows readers how to feel more connected to the people around them and feel truly satisfied by the life they're leading. With more than 20 years of experience, Amy has devoted herself to the study and practice of transformation. Amy is on a mission to raise the consciousness of the planet and help others to get off the proverbial hamster wheel, achieve peace of mind, and live with true intention. So hello, Amy. How are you? Oh, I'm fantastic. How are you doing today? I'm good, thank you. I'm very good. It's the back end of my day, getting towards the end of my day. And I know it's the, nearly the beginning of yours, which leads me to the question, where in the world are you, Amy? Where, let's yeah. position the pin on the map. Where are you? That's right. So it is morning for me. I'm in Berkeley, California. Wow. Excellent. Yeah. Fantastic. And you told me before we started, it's a lovely day in California at the moment. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it, it tends to be a lovely day pretty much every day. <laughs> so, <laughs> Fantastic. Pretty lucky. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So I gave a very brief introduction there to your, your career and, 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 uh, and your work. T- tell us a little bit more in your own words, uh, Amy, what, 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 are you, what have you done and what are you up to now? Yeah. Well, I, so I've been coaching for over a decade and it's been an amazing journey and being able to work with so many different types of folks and 
I would say over the past five, six years or so, I've really been heavily focused on leaders and teams working with corporations. And I partner with you know executives, leaders, and teams on all things growth, transformation, mm. and flow. And mm. really what we come in at with the, the entry point for almost everyone is the topic of communication. And mm. that really, for me, communication, it's, it is my passion. It's an area of expertise for me. And you know, whether it's public speaking, team dynamics, interpersonal interaction dynamics, negotiation, pitching, uh, really, it all comes down to sustaining trust. That's mm. my happy place. And so that's that's the entry point. And that's a lot of what I focus on with Yeah, with fantastic. And yeah, and that's what we're going to be talking about. And when we originally spoke uh, a few weeks ago, when we lined this interview up, you told me you, you used the, the words uh, that trust is the ultimate currency uh, in, in an organization. So I'm, I let, let's start there then. So could you, you explain what, 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 we're, when we, what we're talking about trust? I think we probably all have a working definition of trust, but what do we mean? And, and, and this idea of it being the ultimate currency, could you tell yeah. us a little bit more about that, Amy. Yeah, I love how you framed up this question. And, and I'll start with, you know, you're at, the word trust itself is, you know, we all kind of, we understand what it is, but rarely do we get together and double click on it and be like, yeah, actually, what does this really mean? <laughs> you know, mm. and so to, to have really like a, a strong working definition here is going to be really important. Now I'll get there um, after I, I share, you know, the reason this is so important and I, I deliberately put a focus, a, a spotlight on this topic, trust, because mm. rarely do we. We just assume that trust is kind of the, the byproduct of getting along or, hey, we've got this history, so there's trust here. Or, you know, it's easy to talk to you, so there's trust. And we kind of take it for granted. And, mm. the, and the thing about that is that when you, when, you, when you take a step back and you look at your life and you're like, okay, would I buy anything of significance from someone I didn't trust? Mm. Like, no, I wouldn't. No. Would I share critical information with anyone I didn't trust? It's like, no, I wouldn't. And so the the truth is trust is 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 a, is like a currency that we are creating or eroding in our communication patterns. Mm. And trust isn't an emotion. You're right. It's 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 a neurological state in which we are optimized for our greatest thinking, empathy, creativity, imagination, taking disparate ideas, bringing it together, solutions, taking risks, looking into the future optimistically. All of this stuff happens when we have, you know, our, our brain is firing in optimal ways, our prefrontal cortex is online, our survival brain is quiet, like all of these things are possible. And so that's why trust feels so good when, mm. when, we're, when we have colleagues that we trust. It's like, oh yeah, it feels great. Well, it feels great because we're in these states of safety with one another. And mm. so what I, you know, in terms of a working definition for trust, there's many ways we can define it. And and, you know, an exercise I put a lot of people through is I'll say, you know, what are the first five words that come to mind when you think of the word trust? Mm. And I'll have a team do it. And it's fascinating that it it is it is wildly different for each person. I mean, you might have mm. sh words shared, but you'll never have that same set of words. So we all kind of have a different understanding of it. But for the mm. purpose of this conversation, I do want to I want to mention that, you know, trust, that state of trust is truly an it's a state in which we are feeling safe. We are open. Mm. We are receptive. And so we can say that it's care, courage, and candor together that really creates trust. But what I like to focus on is this idea that we are safe. 
We mm. are seen. We feel like we belong. Okay. Ah, that is, that is that state of trust. Okay. Now that I'm there, I can do my best work mm. with you. And that's important because none of us do anything in a vacuum at all. Mm. It's yeah. all in relationship to one another. It's really interesting as you're talking there. I'm kind of positioning. My, I mean, it's not that I'm an un, a, an untrusting person. Uh, you know, I trust a lot of people, but you kind of putting yourself into that state of high trust when you know you're with someone and 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 you know you kind of you know they've got your back. You know, I'm not. I don't mean it in a kind of an adversarial context, but it, it's really interesting when you think about that because it is. It's like that. It's almost like that level of connection that you 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 have with someone that, that is that the you know that is is really special because you, you it's not like you know what each other's thinking or that sort of thing but you just know mm-hmm. that you've got this you can basically know they're going to do what they're meant to be doing and you're doing what you're doing and you know obviously there's lots of analogies i i, I was watching a I, I'm quite into motorsport and I, I was watching this with my son the other day and we were watching these guys driving the rally cars and the, the the driver is so reliant on the navigator to give him or her the right instructions and the navigator has basically got their life in the hands of this person who's holding the steering wheel and it's just you know the mate you think about the level of trust those people must have mm. with each other it's it, and i guess that's a really you know kind of intense and and an and organizational life sometimes feels like you're in a rally car but not always but, yeah. <laughs> right yeah. so so, right. so so and i and, and i kind of i guess you you alluded to this when you were talking about your about trust i'm going to this a little bit more detail but this idea that that i guess and and you know it's kind of i guess it's a bit of a cliche to a certain extent but it's true is that it's very it takes a long time to build it but not a long time not it can be destroyed very quickly um is that your experience as well Uh, is it it as simple as that you know i've really been i really appreciate this question because it's something i've been chewing on a lot of people you know have a strong belief that it takes a long time to build. It's easy to break. And, you know, I honestly, I think, I think that could, that really is a model that we hold dependent upon our life experiences and mm. the beliefs we hold. Because I have found just having studied this in the way that I have and being, becoming certified in conversational intelligence and really diving into what this all is, you know, now that I understand our neurobiology in the way that I do, I can't help but look out upon every individual and see truly a whole and complete individual being that mm. desperately on a neural neurobiological level is seeking safety, belonging, and approval on, mm. on an unconscious primal level. And when I look around and I, and I recognize that and I, I factor in and this is such an important part of the conversation with trust that the experience of rejection really is, is so triggering for us humans on a, on really on an unconscious level, because our brains are looking out for social safety as much as they're looking out for environmental safety constantly. Mm. So to the Mm. brain, it can't differentiate say between a tiger jumping out of a bush at you and your colleague throwing you under the bus in a meeting mm. to the brain, it's the same. Those threats are the same. And you're like, well, that's interesting. Why is that? Well, because, you know, we're hardwired for connection. We need one another to survive. And it really all mm. starts as an infant because what is, what is life to an infant? Well, yeah, we think it's food, water, shelter. Actually, no, I mean, that will come, that will follow if mom or dad buy in. So, oh my mm. gosh, really what death to the brain is, is rejection. And so mm. when you factor that in and you look at this whole equation of trust and you're like 
oh my gosh. So we're all we're all doing whatever we can to avoid rejection. So what is that? That's judgment, humiliation, um, not getting included, any form of that. All of us are doing that and all of us want to belong. So when mm-hmm. I, when I look out in the world and I see folks, I just, I just see a bunch of individuals with a bunch of survival mechanisms trying to get along and trying to be safe. And it's like, wow, okay. You know, mm-hmm. and we're stepping on each other's toes and we don't realize it. And so, you know, for me, that statement, it's, it takes a long time to build and, it's easy to break. You know, I might've felt that way 10 years ago, but I definitely don't feel that now. Mm, mm, mm. Yeah. It's a good, it's a good, it's a good point. Yeah. And, and I guess, um, I guess the flip side of that is that sometimes the, 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 you know, we can, we can, we can use our, um, our kind of biases and our, our, our prejudices to sort of trust some people rather than others just Mm -hmm. on initial impressions and initial reactions and, and all kind of sort of, you know, all the kind of, um, things that we're, uh, we know we, we cognitively know that we shouldn't do, but we, the biases that we jump to again, because of our kind of conditioning and our experiences. And, and so, so I guess that, yeah, it's, 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 it, 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 it pays to, I guess, to, not be not be kind of ca- overly cautious about who you trust but 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 also not to, to 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 test whether i you know am i trusting this person because of you know who they are or or just because i've kind of jumped to a number of uh, erroneous mm-hmm. conclusions be based on my own kind of um, filtering mm-hmm. systems i guess right mm. and you know and here's mm. a fun fact you know our mm. brains are in in less than 0.07 seconds our brains have labeled each other as friend or foe. Mm, yeah, and, and, yeah. and this is before we're even consciously aware of them. Our brain has mm. already decided if they are safe or not. Not, and it's, I mean, and so really, that's where it all. That's that's where the perception begins, is d- due to that assignment that is made by you know by really our our brain and body and brains, all of it taking in these signals. And then deciding if you're safe, you know, and, and those signals can be, you know, electromagnetic signal. It could be Mm. the temperature. It could be the tonality that, that is, that, that is, you know, that's emerging from this individual. It's like, Oh, I don't know. That sounds, and we, we make these decisions, but that's unconscious to us. But those decisions Mm. that are made friend or foe, when we look over in their direction, that's going to absolutely influence what we now feel as we look Mm. in their direction. It's like, Oh, Mm. I don't know about this person. And so there's so much, about what what you're saying here, yeah, it's it's mm. it's fascinating. It's really, mm. I honestly mm. think it's just so fascinating. It is, yeah. You, you mentioned earlier about about um, uh, trust not being an emotion and being more of a neurological state. We kind of explored that a little bit. I mean, do you want to say a little bit more about that? Sure. And, and, and what, what the difference between the two is, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. No. Absolutely. So, you know, if there's two there's two hormones that that we talk about when we're talking about communication and trust and Mm. and the ones that really are important to focus on are either oxytocin Mm. or cortisol. And so oxytocin, if you're familiar with this hormone, it's, it's, you know, it's called the bonding hormone. It's, it's the hormone that mom and baby are flooded with when baby is born. It's, Mm. it's, it's essentially, it is, um, it's beyond now the cuddling hormone. It's now been coined the trust hormone. Mm. And what, what what happens is when we are with one another and we feel safe, when we feel connected, when we feel synergistic, when it's it's that state of trust, what's synonymous with that is we get flooded with oxytocin. Oxytocin opens a prefrontal cortex with that prefrontal co- cortex open. Oh my gosh, there's so much possible. I can, you know, mm-hmm. I've got, I've got more creativity and imagination. So that's, that's really what's going on. And so the, the, 
that the, our conversational patterns, the ways in which we relate, are either going to upregulate oxytocin or cortisol. Now, mm. cortisol, if you're familiar, this is the stress hormone. And mm. you know, there's nothing mm. wrong with cortisol. We need it. We, I mean, it's just, it's a necessary, beautiful part of our neurochemistry. And when we are relating with one another and we start to become protective, when we feel like we can't trust someone, when we don't understand, when we don't trust their intentions, when we don't feel safe with them, when we feel, when we are in patterns with one another, where we become eye-centric and protective, now we start upregulating cortisol. Mm. Now cortisol is going to, to initiate that sort of fight or flight response. And so this is when with cortisol in our systems, a handful of things happen. And so when there's a lot of cortisol uh, being upregulated due to our interaction dynamics, then that job, the, the job of cortisol, I mean, this is, again, this is just wild to me. The job of cortisol mm -hmm. in that moment, in these interactions is to mute mm -hmm. your prefrontal cortex. Mm -hmm. So the job of cortisol is, is really to take the most brilliant part of your brain and take it offline. Mm -hmm. And it's like, well, that's unfortunate because now it's like, if I'm getting in a heated conversation with you, like, you know, we, we say like, can't figure out what to And, you know, we feel like we can't, we're, we're mm. not quite sure what to say. And it's simply because this cortisol is muting that brilliant part of our brain. Now you have to wonder, well, why is that evolutionarily? Like, why does that happen? Well, if you think about it, because the brain can't differentiate if it's, you know, you're, you're being threatened either by, you know, this individual who isn't letting you, you know, get a word in edgewise versus mm. a tiger, <laughs> you know, mm. coming out from behind the bush, the brain's like, oh, okay, you know, you really don't have time to brainstorm your way out of this. So yeah, we're yeah. going to shut that part of your brain down and we're going to channel all your resources to your extremities so you can get out of there. And you so that's away. why, mm. you know, so with cortisol, we end up in these suboptimal states where we can't mm. be objective. We can't be empathetic. We can't have perspective. We can't, you know, solution and be, it's just, we become very myopic. And with that mm. cortisol in your system, it's like red glasses. And so now as you look out around you, everything feels a little more threatening. And mm. so that's what's going on in conversation. And so one thing to consider is that every conversation that we're having back and forth, these conversations are serving up these neurochemical cocktails, you know, and they're either, you know, lots of oxytocin or it's lots of cortisol. And a lot of the case, we're getting cocktails with both of them, both oxytocin mm. and cortisol. And when we have a cocktail like that due to our interaction dynamic, that's just simply uncertainty. Mm. That's when you're with someone and you're like, I don't know, do I, do they really have my back? Do mm. are they, is this, are they really thinking about my best interest? And so that sense of uncertainty really is conditional trust. And it's mm. really just due to the, the neurochemical makeup that's, um, that's being upregulated as a result of how we're relating with one another. Mm, mm, very interesting. Mm -hmm. uh, I, yeah. I, I love, again, I'm like you, I like, I like, I love this kind of um, brain chemistry, brain science stuff. Mm -hmm. It fascinates me. Mm -hmm. just, just, so just, just kind of getting now into the, maybe some of the sort of practical, I mean, not that it, what we've been talking about is impractical, but, but, I wanted to explore what builds trust, what damages it. And again, maybe more on a kind of um, macro level, but also, yeah. be, you know, we're talking about internal communication. I want to link this to internal communications. Yes. What, 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 what are some of the things that I guess, you know, individually or, or corporately or culturally, sometimes we do from an internal comms perspective that foster mm -hmm. 
trust, but also the mm-hmm. things that, that can, you know, kind of make us feel like there's a tiger about to jump out of the bush at us. So maybe we, we address the sort of building and damaging trust from an organizational perspective first, and then maybe look at the role of comms yeah. in that. Mm. Absolutely. So mm. I'm going to try to break this down and make it super simple. And I'll describe this kind of as a spectrum. And mm. on one end of the spectrum, you can have a very eye-centric stance, meaning I am totally coming from my own point of view. It's all about me. It's my point of view. And I have no, absolutely no awareness of you as a human on the other side of this conversation. Mm. So as, as I say, eye-centric, naturally, I think you can kind of imagine what that would feel like if you were very eye-centric in this conversation. Mm. You know, it's like, it's, you're very guarded. You're very protective. It's just, there is no awareness of the other. Okay. So that's Mm. one end of the spectrum. On the other end of the spectrum is a very we-centric stance where it, it's not about my success. It's about our success. It's very Mm. co-creative. It's very generative. It is very, and, and we're, we're, we're talking about, and we're, we're seeking a shared reality together versus my reality, right? Mm. And so if you can kind of think of this spectrum where you're going from either extremely eccentric to extremely we-centric, all of our conversations are going to fall somewhere and very fluidly fall in and out mm. or like within this spectrum. And what breaks trust is when we stay eccentric for too long. Now, right. why? Because if we're eccentric, the other person's brain is very much picking up on the fact that we are not at all aware of them as a human. So therefore, mm. they, they, are they safe? I don't know. They, that brain's like, I don't know if I'm safe because they're totally unaware of me. Do I belong? Mm. I don't know because they're not making it about me. Am I being seen? Absolutely not because they're making it about that. So it's that when we stay in eccentric, very transactional conversations, very transactional, just focusing on the thing and not each other, we start to create cortisol. That cortisol is the, that is essentially that's distrust. So now we've got distrust. And if we stay there for too long, we're now going to start to come up with these conclusions that that these people aren't safe. It's hard to do work. Mm-hmm. And then I'm sure you can imagine you start to create these somewhat toxic cultures. And it's not that because the people are bad. It's just that the interaction dynamics are not optimal because everyone's being too eccentric. So what mm-hmm. do you do? You have to become more we-centric where it's not just my success. It's our success. It's mm-hmm. It's instead of listening to confirm, instead of listening to be right, we're actually going to listen to connect with one another, listen to discover something new versus listen to defend a point of view. And so it's it's all these little things that we're doing that's either signaling that we're eye-centric or we-centric. And so the more mm-hmm. we can be we-centric, the more oxytocin, the more trust, the more gener- generativity and, and creativity and innovation that we can have. But here's the thing. We don't want to be we-centric all the time because we won't get anything done. <laughs> so it's not yeah. like, right? Yeah. And so it's a very fluid dance that we have to mind. And so we we want to kind of play this game. And, and I say it's a game because it's fun, but we want to play this game just really based upon how we feel and how we're gauging, like how we're doing, right? And if it's feeling generative and, and creative and empowered, and then keep going. But if it's feeling stuck and you're hesitant and there's frustration and there's anxiety, chances are it's it's going to be due to some pretty eye-centric stances that are going on that could probably mm. be, you know, molded into a different way of being. 
Yeah, I really like that. I mean, I I, I don't like the, the thought of not being, you know, feeling <laughs> as though I'm I'm I'm, someone, I'm talking to someone who's eccentric because I I guess I, I I'm thinking of kind of some exper- couple of experiences I've had of that, which is one, the kind of classic thing where you go to a networking event with the intention of obviously meeting people and finding out about them, and you you come up against the person who just just drones on you know you kind of go up to them and say hey you know hi hi what you know i'm craig what, you know what, what do you do and and all they do is just talk about themselves and themselves yeah. and themselves and you're kind of thinking you know this is really interesting you know i'm waiting for the bit where you're going to kind of you know reciprocate and and be, you, you know you think actually i can't be bothered i get to the point where i think you know what i'm i'm, I'm gonna go and uh, get and get another drink or something and 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 so that's one example of that and i you know you kind of see that and you, and, I, and i guess what we're talking about here it kind of boils down to a lot of this boils down to you know the principles of emotional intelligence and self-awareness yeah. and and and, and right. connecting and empathy and that sort of thing but 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 i guess the other the other the other example of this is i do this um there's this thing in the UK, which I think is in the States, but not as it's not, it's really popular in the UK. It's this kind of every, every Saturday, there's a, there's a free 5k, five, 5k run. And, and, and it's like a big community. Everybody is free, you know, every people volunteer to help out and do it. And, and I do these, I, you know, just, just cause I travel around a lot. I do them. They're all over the country. And, um, I often, I follow the, you know, I tend to, if I go, I'm going, I know I'm going to one of these runs and there's hundreds of them all over the place. I kind of follow their Facebook page and, 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 and all, and, and all it seems they do on the Facebook page is talk about their own little kind of little group of people who turn up every week and they never talk mm. about people who visit and come from, you know, elsewhere. And mm. I go to these things and you kind of stand mm. there, you don't know anybody and you feel a bit like kind of, you know, the, the sort of you've turned up at someone else's party and, uh, you know, with no <laughs> friends and, and you can you know, you're not there for that. You are there for that to a certain amount of connection, but you're there to, you know, sure. get your 5k fix in. But, um, sure. but it's really interesting because I, I know I often think, well, rather than talking about yourselves, why don't you talk about the people who've traveled to come and you know yeah. take part in your event and 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 yeah. you know and, and i'd never thought about it in those terms but you know it's yeah. the i versus we that you've just talked about there yeah um, and i guess that, that that's that. the ultimate in sort of you know like you were saying earlier is is rejection and and not feeling yeah. part of the clan and the group and and connected to the that little sort of group does make you feel um the ultimate in lack of you know uh, yeah. not feeling unloved and feeling as though you don't really trust yeah. the people you're with yeah 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 no it's i love that you i mean what a great kind of connection here around this mm. and you know it's what i what i love sharing with folks that i'm working with is mm. to just really break this down mm. you know when you think about the brain and and this incredible body that we are in and how everything fires and wires, like it's all working together to not only just keep us alive, but in order for us to really thrive in in this existence, our brain is constantly trying to keep us alive. And and, Mm -hmm. in addition to doing a lot of other things. So essentially it's trying to keep you safe. And what it's doing is it's, it's constantly reading the environment and there's, and if we were to translate how it's keeping you safe in every single moment of your life, and we were to translate the way it's doing it into three verbal questions, it would be this. So in every moment, the brain's going, are you safe? Are you safe? Mm. Do you need to protect yourself? Are you safe? Are you safe? Are you safe right now? Are you safe? Are you safe? And it's not just safety from 
people with sharp knives, right? It's it's mm. safety, like in terms of image and status and reputation. Are you safe? Are you safe? Are you safe? Am I, you know, so that's the first question. The second question that's always running, always running is, do I belong? Do I fit in? Mm. Do I belong? Am I a part of a we? Am I a part of a we? And so that's constantly running at the same time. And then additionally, the other question that's running constantly is, am I being seen? Am I being seen? Am I being valued? Am I being acknowledged? Mm. Am I being heard? Is the I that makes up this we, is that being valued? Mm. And so these three questions are running constantly. And, mm. and doesn't that just feel familiar? I mean, when, you, mm. when you're out and about, it just, you, it's kind of like, yeah, you're, that's what it means to be human. And so anytime one of those three questions gets toggled to the no, we get kind of triggered. And that's mm. when cortisol is going to emerge. So no doubt, here you go and you visit these these groups and they're not mm. your group. Mm. And that, that oh gosh, I don't know if I belong. I don't think I belong. And that feeling of not belonging is going to create a little bit of cortisol, which is going to create the mm. anxiety, which is going to create the discomfort. You know, mm. and we manage this as humans. We're like, you know, I'm going to, I'll rationalize this. I'll use my log- powers of logic to, to get through this. And we do. But just to make the invisible visible here about what's going on under the hood, <laughs> this is really mm. what this is what's driving us all the time, mm. all the time. Mm. Yeah, and I guess just an in, you know, and it's a combination of what you just said and, and what I was saying before, and, and 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 I guess when you talk about I versus we, the I isn't just necessarily an individual. The I could be a, a, a team with you know, the I could be, and, and I see this in organizations where. Um, you know, there's maybe one department that hogs the line, you know, they're always, all, and, and in that context, it's the, it's the, what, what, you know, I, I, sorry, I'm getting my kind of tenses mixed up here, but it, they're talking about themselves as an mm-hmm. I, you know, it's, it's mm-hmm. what, what I've done, what I've done this as a collective uh, and at the, at the expense and the tone deafness to actually, to the, to the we, which is the, yeah. you know, maybe, well, yeah, you, that's great, but you couldn't have done that without our help. And we're kind of maybe mm-hmm. the unsung heroes here and, mm-hmm. and, 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 you know, so teams or, and, and, and sometimes leadership teams that, you know, all they talk about is the the stuff that's I I related as in what we think is important and what's important to us, rather than recognizing actually there is a bit of plurality in our organization, and actually other people may have other priorities, and it's it's mm. important that we respect them as well. Um, mm. Never really thought about it like that, but it's that's, really, really that's powerful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm, like great. many dimensions of. Of, yeah, of eyes yeah. and wheeze here, you know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah like the kind of the, the. I guess you know, if you're, if you're a Star Trek fan, the Borg. It's like the collective. It's the uh, you know the mm-hmm. hive brain. Sometimes is 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 can act in a singular context. It can be that that's that's the sort of the eye and not not just individuals within it. I just want right. to just be just as yeah, mm-hmm. just as we sort of you know move towards the, the closing and sort of wrapping up. I just I just want to talk to you a little bit about hybrid and remote because obviously I I. I um, you know, the beginning, of, I'd worked at home for 13 years when COVID descended. So for me, it was like, you know, what's the big deal? I mean, obviously, a global <laughs> pandemic. Yeah. But, but yeah. you know, for me, it was like, you know, why are people getting so hurt up about having to go and work from their, their, their you know, and obviously, after 13 years, I've kind of got used to it and was set up for mm-hmm. it. But <laughs> the big thing that came out for me was the the organizations that did it really, really well and the ones who kind of just spent months running into the same brick walls came down ultimately to trust it came down to you you know am i comfortable letting go of being able to see what my people are doing and just Mm -hmm. trusting them to 
you know, for me to set them and, and point them in the right direction and say, I don't know how you're going to do it, but I trust you to just do it and, and get on with it and come to me if there's anything you need that I can help you do that. Versus mm-hmm. the people who kind of, you know, white knuckle, gr- you know, pri- to trying to prize their grip away from trying to micromanage people, which was just impossible. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they couldn't actually see what they were doing and they just had to, you know, and, 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 and lots of stress and grief. So that's my take on trust in the kind of pandemic hybrid mm. remote and as we come out of that now which is obviously we you know we're likely to that that's here to stay now what what, what are your thoughts on mm. the trust and and, and the yeah. impact of that and li- linked to some of the stuff we've been just been talking about amy no yeah no i really appreciate that that frame around trust at that level because when i think about a hybrid and a remote work environment <clears throat> i'm mm. I'm really largely thinking about the ways in which folks are relating with one another and how is Mm. it that they're communicating with one another Mm. and what's, what's, you know, what can be done really well and what can be done really poorly is sustaining Mm -hmm. trust Mm. via our remote communication, right? So, cause what, what, what used to be the case is we'd all be in an office and we'd be at our desks, but often we're up and we're moving around. And so we bump into each other in the hallway, we run into each other and, you know, you know, lunch. And, and so it's in those casual exchanges that we naturally are feeding, um, the, our, our connections and, and, Mm. and largely, and just by nature of being in person and, and it being more casual, it's very likely we're going to have more transformational conversations and that are more we centric, that are more personal, that really feed and and nourish the, uh, that, that upregulation of oxytocin. And Mm. so when you have a high trust culture, you can imagine then that you you get a lot more done, right? And so if you look at any any culture, work culture that's extremely productive and extremely um, just successful, it's 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 very much due to the fact that there's an, a tremendous amount of trust in the culture. Now that trust again is created or eroded in how we're communicating with one another, and it's very fluid. It's ebbing and it's flowing. And so when you look at how now it's like when you okay. When we look at, okay, well, now <laughs> we're remote and we don't have those those opportunities, so we have to hop on a Zoom call. It's very likely that we're just going to become very transactional. Okay, well, let's just talk mm-hmm. about the work. Let's just get stuff done. And now when you introduce things like Slack, and we're now relying heavily on linear-based text, which is devoid of tone and body language that really transmits the feeling and the intention and the meaning more than just that linear packet of information that's spat out through you know, a word, things are going to get misinterpreted. We're going to start to be a bit more protective. And so, you know, it's very likely that we're going to create more distrust, not because Mm. people aren't trustworthy. It's just due to the interaction dynamics. So if we're going to do hybrid and remote work well, we have to be so conscientious about how it is that we are communicating via Zoom, via Slack, via email, and mm-hmm. ensuring that we are signaling safety, that we are signaling, hey, you know, that I care about you as a human. We have to be very mindful that the impact that we're having on others is one that's signaling safety, belonging, and and and, and being seen. Mm-hmm. And if, and, and without that, you know, again, it just, it's that work, that culture is going to suffer. So that's how I tend to think about it. Yeah, no, it, it, it yeah, it's, 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 it's very interesting. Uh, and we, and we, 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 uh, we have recorded it and it'll be going out a couple, a couple of episodes before yours. I had a conversation with, um, Joanna Parsons about, you know, the remote working remotely and, and very, it's interesting, very, um, 
similar conversation but different different perspectives so if anyone was listening to this and hasn't listened to that episode the episode that went out on the uh, a couple of week a couple of episodes ago the episode two of this series i'd recommend that they maybe have a listen to that and and you know if this is something that they're interested in this because remote is obviously on everybody's lips at the moment from a kind of working and and hybrid and, and and trying to find ways to make it work and i think that's a really interesting um angle on that amy um I want to wrap up anyway, just 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 to sort of bring things to a conclusion. Any final thoughts? I mean, you've been really generous with with with, with what you've shared there, and some real, you know, kind of um, uh, epiphanies for me uh, for, for in, in terms of you know trust. Any anything you want to kind of just sort of finish off on them? Anything you you, you wanted to just say that we've just not had a chance to talk about in the yeah. questions that I've asked? Yeah, yeah. You know, I, my mind immediately goes to you know if anyone's listening to this, they might be thinking, yeah, this is great, but what can I go do? <laughs> What can I do mm, to yeah, actually absolutely. like create mm. trust quickly and, and actually improve the quality of my conversations? And I would say, you know, just two things, keeping in mind this idea that there's a spectrum between I, I centric and we centric and being mm. intentional about, about being as we centric as possible. Because remember, everybody's brain is craving that sense of safety, belonging and approval. So the more mm. we can be we centric, Via just with the intention of of doing that, it's amazing how the dynamic will shift. So that's one mm. thing. The second mm. thing is really minding. Take just notice the, the the type of listening that you bring to a conversation, because it's the kind of listening that's really going to determine if we're eccentric or we centric. Mm. And most often, we're listening to confirm, we're listening to defend, we're listening to prove, we're listening to validate which it's all fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But if, if you're stuck in a conversation and it, you, you change your listening to listening to connect, mm. when you find yourself, and this is great, by the way, phenomenal to do with spouses and your children. <laughs> just check this out. If you find yourself in a tiff, if you find yourself in a lock jam, just mm. sh- shift your listening to listening to connect with the other person. And what's phenomenal is just in that intention and that that literal shift in your own listening the dynamic changes immediately because remember the other person's brain is craving that being seen and being mm. safe and when mm. you shift to listening to connect you're essentially signaling all of that hey you're safe you belong and you're seen mm. <sighs> right and so it's it's very very powerful Mm, mm. And I guess it, that links to the, you know, the fact that it's not just about what's coming out of our mouths. It's our, our whole, how a whole person, isn't it? That's listening. And then that, that what you're mm-hmm. advocating there is that we shift that from, you know, kind of, um, to, 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 to show that, that, you know, we're trying to make that connection. We're trying to reach out. We're trying to understand what it is that you, you're trying to say or what your point is. And rather than just, um, you know, yeah. kind of going through the motions of nodding and and all the body language stuff we've been trained to do to show that we're listening. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's mm. exactly right. Yeah, mm. and all mm. of this, you know, that I'm sharing is largely due to the just tremendous framework of what's called conversational intelligence, um, mm. which was founded by Judith Glazer um, a while back. Sadly, she we lost her to cancer in 2018. But mm. if anybody's interested, j- go look into it. Conversational intelligence. It is. Okay. It's it's very very powerful. 
Okay, excellent. Well, that that kind of brings me to what I was going to sort of talk about, which is which is any links that we can put into the show notes. So uh, maybe if you could send me if there's a kind of go to resource for that for that that would sure. that would be would be great. Yeah, yeah. Um, I was going to put the your LinkedIn profile into the show notes. So hopefully that's okay with you. If anyone yes. wants to reach out and and connect with you, are there any other links you'd like me to put into the notes, uh, Amy? Yeah, yeah, okay. absolutely. So yeah. lots of stuff on conversational intelligence on my website. So yeah. the best place to go is probably my website. Website, which is alwaysonpurpose.com. Always, alwaysonpurpose.com. Well, if you can, and again, I'll, I'll, I'll uh, if you can maybe send me those links through, and I'll drop them into the show notes for the for the uh, episode, which will be on the on our website, and also I think they show up on iTunes as well. So that's right. um, yeah. And cool. the other thing Excellent. I would say too is mm. in the book that I wrote was living on purpose, and so I don't overtly talk about communication, but really that communication is a symptom of the deeper stuff. So the book Living on Purpose addresses yeah all that well, deeper maybe, stuff. Yeah. Maybe you can put a link into to where what well, best sure. way to get a hold of that, and then you know as a as a, as a uh, happy to do that in uh, in, in uh, return for the generosity of giving you your time today. So no, that'll be brilliant, Amy. So look, that that's been fantastic. I've really enjoyed that. It, it's um very very thought provoking. I think again, as as I said right at the beginning, I think trust is a kind. Of, and then you you alluded to it. You know that we've all got multiple definitions of trust, and and you, you kind of um it's like any of these words, isn't it? You kind of get, get people to write down their what they what they think it means and and you'll get a, you know, like a normal distribution curve of some really weird things that people think it means and then there may be a bit of overlap in the middle but yeah it, it, we've all, it, it's, it's one of those things that, that we talk about a lot but never really actually take some time to sort of unpick and uh, I think you've done a fantastic job with that and I really the thing that's really resonated for me was this is this sort of I we thing and really kind of as you probably recognize from those two stories that it drew out in my mind it, it's something yeah. that i think definitely from internal communications perspective is is something we should maybe be doing the i we test um mm -hmm. and uh yeah i like that yeah Brilliant. I well, test. <laughs> <laughs> all right amy well look it's been fantastic speaking to you thank you so much and like um it. and uh, i look forward to maybe speaking with you at some point in the future and uh and and talking about this this topic from maybe a different angle as well Oh, I'd love that. Yes. Thank you so much. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Engaging Internal Comms podcast. If you've got any ideas for episodes you'd like us to cover in future, you can email us at info at thebigpicturepeople.co.uk or you can use the feedback form at engagingic.com. If you're not already subscribed to the show via your podcast platform, please do so. And if you could leave a review for us, that would be absolutely fantastic. We have links to other episodes at engagingic.com. All of our previous episodes are available there. And if you're interested in our visual communication services, our big pictures, our learning maps, our explainer videos, and also our live graphic recording, please get in touch with us again at info at thebigpicturepeople.co.uk. Thank you. Mm -hmm.